0: Welcome to the Tool Shed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From the MLB draft all the way to the show, we're here to help give you the edge in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Welcome into to episode 183 of the Tool Shape of Click and Cross, powered by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, pitchers and catchers have finally reported this baseball season, baby.
1: Yep, and just need baseball weather, man. Still rainy and gloomy in South Carolina. It's felt like Seattle all winter, and even though we've had a little bit of warmer weather, it's time for sun, warmth, and baseball can't wait, man!
0: It's funny, like pitchers are already in midseason form. Like first day of pitchers and catchers, like oh, Degrom tweaked something, uh Strasburg had a setback, and Montas done for the year. It's like, man, pitchers are uh, not wasting any time having uh, injuries and injury news on the first day, official day of pitchers and catchers reporting for basically every team. Uh, so, I'm but I'm just glad that you know we get well, spring training games here. You know, within the next you know week and a half or so. That's just starting to warm up here in Maine. It's been like mid to upper 40s here this week, which is very good for February. So uh, we'll get that last little bit of coldness, I'm sure. Just, so we got plenty of time for that. But yeah, just glad to get, you know, get baseball news rolling again. It kind of was a you know, a little bit of a slow period the last month or so in terms of like baseball news after the, uh, you know, the hot stove kind of cooled off a little bit. But now we got more stuff to talk about. But today we are going to be, finishing our dynasty adp discussion uh two episodes ago we did the hitter version of this so if you missed that go back and check that one out that would have been episode i believe 181 I, yeah 181 right yeah so and we'll be doing pictures today but before we do the usual housekeeping you can find us on twitter chris is at Clegg. i'm at eric cross 04 and our show is at Toolshed pod if you enjoy this podcast please rate and review Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him. And before we get into the show, we want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up using the promo code TOOLSHED, you'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. And that can be used on any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB Best Balls, which we discussed a little bit about last episode with Brendan Tuma, individual player pickums across all sports, and so much more. Set up today using the code TOOLSHED at com slash the letter P-the-toolshed. dash dash All right. D- to uh, give people a little bit of a, of a refresher as to kind of like what these mock drafts are all about, I will throw it over to Chris, and so he can give you all the details.
1: All right. So, yes, these were a series of 14 Dynasty mock drafts. And that's important to note because I've been asked. Yes, they are Dynasty mock drafts geared to create an ADP system the lack of a dynasty ADP in the market kind of encouraged me to create this basically. And we did it on a smaller scale last year. And this year um, we did field 14 leagues with 15 players each. So 205 unique players drafting. And since then I've also put in four more drafts um, that have kind of shaped a part of it, basically looking at, 450-man uh, draft, or total draft, because uh, 30 rounds, so 22 starting spots and 8 bench spots. Only the difference in pretty much straight across standard roto rosters minus one catcher. So you only have one catcher instead of two, which, you know, two catcher dynasties, if you play in that, then you're crazy, I guess. I wouldn't want to play that, but that's just me. <laughs> so anyway, the idea of it was to... You know, draft a dynasty team how you would to get an idea of where the consensus values players. And the scoring settings are kind of unique and people kind of ask why. So 5x5 five five roto scoring, but using OBP instead of average. I'd venture to say that 75% of dynasty leagues use OBP instead of average if they're categories. All of mine do, except like one dynasty league. So most have transitioned that way. It's a better... You know, real-life value, which is important, I think. So that's on the hitting side. On the pitching side is where people had kind of had questions. So we took out wins. We used quality starts. Why? Because with wins, pitchers on good teams get pushed up. They give more wins. I mean, like a Tony Gonsolin. Quality starts are a good way to kind of truly value a pitcher. And then instead of saves, we use saves, holds, which – I won't say it's like standard, but I think majority of dynasty leagues do use that because of the amount of volatility with closers. So, saves and holds is the route we went. You know, the more I've done dynasty, I almost think the best way to go and like, why did I do it for this purpose? Just it, it's just easier rather than trying to say, like, all right, saves, holds times one third, whatever. I, I really do think if you're starting a dynasty, saves, you know, and then holds times a half is really a good way to go. Because that way, you don't completely diminish the value of the high end closers, but there are some value in like holds guys too. So, like an AJ mentor still has a lot of value. So, that's my personal preference. But anyway, this is saves holds, like equal value, and just used to create a dynasty ADP. Prospects are mixed in, it's a mixed board. You can see that. If you subscribe to the Dynasty Dugout, you can see the full sheet. You can see ADP. You can see min-max picks, the amount of times they were taken, where they were taken in each league, etc. The last four leagues are all Dynasty Dugout real startups. So they went actually 700 picks deep. So right now, there there's like 750 unique players on the spreadsheet that you can see where they were taken. I'll continue to add to this sheet with more dynasty startups too. So give you a good idea this offseason of where players are valued for dynasty leagues. It's useful for trades, etc. All this stuff's pretty useful, I think. I will say there's a caveat here where it is a weekly lineup league. Shohei Otani. So if it was a daily league, Otani's probably the one one pretty easily. But there is a rule on fan tracks that you can turn on where Otani gets both hitting and pitching on the day he does both. So like he literally scores both, and you don't lose a lineup slot, which makes him like a cheat code basically. In these four real startups leagues, you'll see 15 through 18 on the sheet. That rules on. So Otani went first. Three of the four drafts went second, and the other. It's still the ADP still balances out. He had a 6.17 ADP. We talked a little bit about that in the hitter episode which is probably a fair spot in a weekly dynasty league. So considering yeah. there's 18 leagues, it all balances out, and that's a pretty fair spot overall. But I will say before, he was tied with Jordan and with an average ADP of 6.67. So he didn't go up that much from the, the four drafts, but it, it was enough to bump him ahead of Jordan. So yes, that's the structure. That's the scoring settings. Pitching, as we said, we're looking at, or as we look at today, you're looking at quality starts, saves, holds, ERA, whip, and Ks.
0: Yeah, Otani definitely is a cheat code. That's for sure. I I like to call Otani like an in shape Babe Ruth. Like imagine if Babe Ruth was athletic, that is Shohei Otani. But yeah, so he was obviously the first one, first you know pitcher on the ADP here just because he's not just a pitcher. Uh, so it's kind of hard to know where he would have gone as just a pitcher. I'm assuming probably you're know, closer to eight to ten range, but he was the first one off the board. But for strictly pitchers and that aren't Shohei Otani, first one off the board at around pick sixteen was Corbin Burns. Then you had two very close, very close battle for that number two pitcher spot, both right around ADP twenty three. Uh, one was twenty three point six, Sandy Alcantara, twenty three point eight, Shane McClanahan, and Garrett Cole, twenty six point five. And then you got Spencer Strider was the fifth one off the board. I was wondering where how high he would go. Uh, he's like, you know, the shiny new toy on this board, so to speak. So he was SP five around pick 30 and then six through 10 or Dylan cease at 34, Brandon Woodruff at 34, just 0.06 behind Aaron Nola 30, about 34 and a half. Jacob, Degrom obviously this was before the t- injury when well, that really. I, I shouldn't say injury news. He t- <laughs> some discomfort, but just just the start of probably something more for him. Hope but uh he was SP nine and then Alec Manoa, and he was around pick 40. Alec Manoa, SP ten around pick 42. Were you surprised to see Strider go that high, Chris? At 30 overall and SP five.
1: Honestly, not. It's such a big tier, and he was pretty close in ADP to a couple of the others. There's just so much hype when someone that young does what he did last year. I mean, he did things that no pitcher in baseball's ever done. You know, striking out as many as he did in the as few of innings. Like actually, he was the first to strike out 200 and less than uh, 150 innings since Chris Sale did it. So the crazy thing is that Sale did it in 147 innings. And Strider did it in 131 innings. Like the strikeouts are just nuts of what he did. And he was the only starting pitcher in history to, to K200 with allowing less than 100 hits. I think he's in this conversation. Like I wouldn't say he's like tier one, but he's in tier two. And I'm okay with however you sort it. Like for me, like there's some, there's a guy down here. I would say kind of fits in this tier at the bottom of it that I would put at the top of it, but that's just me. But with Strider's age, with what he did last year, I won't say I'm completely shocked by it because there's a lot of hype and fanfare. And I think there's just the, what ifs like, what if he just throws 160 innings? Like what are we going to get if he throws that many innings? And that's a true statement. And I think even with regression, I think Strider still is an ACE caliber pitcher. Like even if we see a, a step back. And I think that's probably plausible. Like, I don't think he's going to be a sub one whip, a two, six, seven ERA. And he's probably not a 38% K guy again, but I will say he regresses to 33% K and a three, two ERA and a, a one Oh five or a, even we'll say a one, one whip. Like I'd still say that's probably ace territory if he pitches 160 innings. So, you know, it's fine. It's risky. I, I do think there's risk here and there's, safer options I'd rather go with, but I, I guess you can't, it's hard to argue it.
0: Yeah. I think you, I think the stats you just listed off, which I think are fair. And I, I would definitely agree with that are basically Garrett Cole, like minus some innings. There, it's basically yeah. Cole, Cole's like three, two, three, three ERA, 33% K rate, something in that range. But yeah, Spencer Strider. I have him personally as my, let's see here. Uh, SP seven for dynasty, uh, behind Burns, McClanahan, Sandy, Woody, Cole, and Nola. Uh, who's Where did Nola go? Nola was right behind him on this. Yeah, Nola was SP8. So, yeah, th- th- this is a, a big tier here. Uh, same in my rankings, too. Like, look at my overall. The first three are kind of uh, slightly ahead of the, the next tier. Like, There's a little bit of like a 7-8 pick gap. And then it's, it's like a massive... Like between thirty and say forty five in my overall, I have nine pitchers. I goes from Woody down to Bieber, so uh, definitely a big tier there. Strider, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I I I have him as my SP seven. I think that like we've talked about the changeup before. The, definitely more potential there with that changeup, and you know it's not like people are like, oh, he, he's, he's a rookie. You know, he's a regress. Yeah, he's probably gonna like having a 267 ERA and the yeah, 38.3% K rate, probably not attainable every single year, but this is far from a fluke. Like, you know, elite fastball, elite sliders. Look at the metrics on the slider. Like that doesn't just come out of nowhere. And I think he's here to stay as a top 10 arm. You know, just get, get the innings built up. And if he can get up to, you know, just even 160 plus, which is almost the new the new 180 to 190 these days, I think he's going to be an absolute, no doubt, top 10. And given given the age, is he the youngest in this top 10? I look at my own rankings here. So he is 24.3. Yeah, he is the youngest pitcher in my top 10. He's uh, about almost a year younger than Alec Manoa. The next one in my dynasty rankings that's younger than him, at least for pitchers, is... Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Grayson Rodriguez, who's back in top 100 for me, uh, 80th overall. So, yeah, the the combination of age, what he's already done, I think Strider is absolutely legit. You, personally, I know there's a lot of, you know, some people are worried about McClanahan. Others are not. You know, I usually fall to the side that I'm not overly worried about him, but I've talked to some people I'm a little more worried than I I once was, but obviously I'm not going to drop him too far down my rankings. Are you one where are you afraid to invest in McLennan and Dynasty right now, Chris? Or see someone that are like, all right, maybe there's a little bit of a shoulder issue here, but long term, you think he's going to be fine?
1: I mean, I do think long term he'll be fine. It's an ADP of 23. I just can't pay that for any pitcher really in a Dynasty.
0: What about so Burns? Like, Would you go 23 on Burns?
1: 23 on Burns is probably reasonable. But we're looking at a three year sample of being just elite of the elite. Now, the difference is like, I mean, what's the age difference on, on those two? McClanahan's what, 25 to 26 before the season?
0: Yeah, McClanahan, yeah, he's 25.8, Burns
1: 28.3. Okay, so you get a two year, two plus year age gap on them. But I'm just not sure we see McClanahan get to the Burns levels. And I could be totally wrong on that. I'm fine being wrong. But the stuff, yeah, I mean, you see the, the arsenal, it's good. Like, the signs were there last year. I remember talking about the the whiff rates on the pitches. Like, I think in 2021, he had three pitches that were like 39.9. Like, he was almost three yep. pitches over 40. And then last year, we saw two over 40 again with the slider and the changeup. Now, I would say that the curve kind of, Took a step back and the forcing just wasn't good at the end of the year which kind of hurt him now it could have been injury like it could have been the shoulder 100 and if that's the case then you know i'm not particularly worried because i think he'll come back strong i think people are worried he's still going to be hurt i think people kind of want to see like what's going on with him but ultimately like And you need to see more consistency, I guess. And that seems crazy. Like he's been consistent, but I want to see consistency post shoulder injury and then kind of go from there. But if you look at Savant, like you look at his pitch mix, like everything's kind of there. It's funny. He's his similar pitchers based on Velo and movement, like Blake Snell to twice, like Blake Snell, 2022 Blake Snell, 2021 and Robbie race, like some interesting company to be with there. I'd say those are good arms. I think the biggest thing that's holding me back is just the shoulder and can he stay healthy? So we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a valid concern. It's funny. I love the, the similar pictures thing on Savon because a lot of times it makes sense. Like uh, like Snell, or B. Ray, be That makes sense. That's like 2021 Ryan Weathers. Like, I'm not sure how that fits into, you know, Snell and Ray and the no. planet hand, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. You know, how, how, they come up with with these names, hundred percent. But yeah, the, the thing with McClanahan is, as long as the shoulder is fine, again, that's something I, I guess we'll have to wait and see how spring training goes. I think that'll be, I think his ADP could fluctuate a good amount this year. If you, let's talk about redraft or, or even dynasty startups, I think it fluctuates a little bit too. Just given if he looks good in spring training, and if he's you know maybe he's a little bit behind in the spring training, kind of want to wait and see some of these reports, but he's got all the stuff. Like we talked about it, the whiff rates, also the ground ball rate, you know, over 50% last year. Not many guys have the combination of whiff rate and ground ball rate. I I see something I'm going to probably look up, see who has what arms have a combination of like a 30 plus percent whiff rate and a 50 plus percent ground ball rate, probably a short list and he's definitely on it. So I'm not really worried, but I said, again, I do have a little bit of concern more so than I did maybe a month or two ago after talking to some, People that know more of the medical side than I do uh, that I got right, just Wait, and see how he, how he looks. But if, if you can buy the dip and he, you know, any type of discount in your dynasty leagues, I probably look to capitalize off that. I still think he's a no doubt top five arm long-term. Uh, no question about that for me, at least. All right. Uh, would you, would you rather have him or, or Sandy? These two were like very close. Would you take Sandy over him, Chris?
1: Oh yeah. I'm much more comfortable with Sandy's durability so, for me, like we know Sandy's going to give you 200 innings. He's had not, he hasn't had injury concerns. Like, and while the stuff's not as good, I know we can say the K rate, whatever. He still strikes batters out because he churns innings out. So, yep. he's going to give you 200 Ks because he's going to throw 200 innings. So, I'll take that. I'm just more comfortable. It's, it's I mean, the floor pick for sure. I mean, McClanahan's definitely the upside play, but I, I'd much rather have Sandy.
0: I have them back-to-back. I do have a hand one-spot ahead, but they are back-to-back for me. And, yeah, I think people are like, oh, the K-rate's around like 23%, 24%, which is still a you know, decent K-rate. It's not like he's 16%, 17% or anything like that, but it's, the it's still strikeouts, right? Like, as far as I know, most leagues don't have K-percentage as, you know, if they did, maybe he get dinged a little bit, but in 99% of leagues, it's still just strikeouts, and he gets them. Look, at I tweeted out earlier today, well, on – uh, what, what is today? Wednesday. On Wednesday, when you're listening to, uh, to this, there were 22 pitchers over the last two years that had 150-plus innings and 150-plus Ks in both seasons. Move that up to 160 of each, it drops to 12. Up to 170 of each, down to 7. Up to 180 of each, 5. Sandy, Muskie, Nola, Cole, and Ray. Then 190 of each. And then 200 of each, both of those are just Sandy Alcantara. So he's about as safe as they come. And he actually is nasty. It's like, if you ever watch him patching, you know, like the slider, the sinker, the changeup, they're all, he's, he is nasty. It's just one of those things where it doesn't always, you know, translate into super high K rates. But yeah, he, he is probably, I, I think you could make a strong argument, he is the safest pitcher in baseball. Even over Garrett Cole, it's probably one, or, one of the two of those. You're talking about this pure safeness. And Sandy's been a little bit better than Cole over the last couple of years. So yeah, he's a no doubt, you know, tier one guy. My tier one is Burns with and him. And yeah, I would definitely be all over Sandy and in, in any league right now. Definitely a, definitely a big Sandy guy. All right. So that was the top 10. We should, actually real quick, were you surprised Cease went six? There's been a lot wide disparity with, with rankings of Cease right now, both the redraft and dynasty, where do you have him for terms of dynasty SPs?
1: Uh let me pull up my I should have had my dynasty ranks up already, so i I wouldn't have him there, but he's in that tier. like he's yeah. probably like closer to 10, but I think he's got to be in that tier based off what he did. I may be selling high on him. I, I'm not opposed to that at all if you can sell high. Based on what he did last year, the Cy Young season. I mean, I know he was runner up, but whatever. He's Cy Young caliber season. Right. So that may be the move because there's just so many, so much inconsistency, I guess, with his control and and walk rates. So if I can capitalize on the current value, then I probably would. Yeah. I mean, I have him as SP 10. So you know it's not far off it's pretty much the same tier but i don't know i'm probably trying to capitalize on that price tag
0: yeah i would be too like if i could trade cease for let's see a pitcher that's slightly down my ranking let's say i, I trade cease for like a george kirby and then another like back end top 100 bat or something like that i think that's something i, I would try to do there i still have him as sp8 uh Gallon and Urius and Rodon are right behind him. So I there's a very it's a huge glob in that range. But the the value, I think the perceived value is, is a bit higher. Like obviously, you want SP six here. So I think definitely there is some I guess nice sell high opportunity here. Like I said, Lady Luck was a little bit on his side. Like I, I don't think he's gonna fall off a cliff, but I don't feel as safe as I do about a lot of these guys in the top ten. Like I feel much safer about like Nola about even because Zach Gallon, who's right behind him, is my SP nine, and he had an ADP twenty spots lower. So hey, if you can get Gallon for him and maybe a top one hundred and fifty bat or something like that, I would be all over that as well. All right, so moving on to the next ten here, so eleven through twenty, it was Julio Urias, Shane Bieber, Carlos Rodon. He was right around pick fifty. Zach Gallon, Christian Javier, as SP fifteen. Then 16 through 20: Max Freed, Luis Castillo, Zach Wheeler, George Kirby, and Tyler Glasnow at 20. Man, Tyler Glasnow, I, I so this was ADP or right before 70. It was 69.83 min, 54 max, 99. No thanks, no thanks whatsoever to have him at you know top 70. And I don't think I have him terribly behind. That. I, have, yeah, I have him 83, but I thought even that was high for me. Like I was, after I ranked him 83, I was already questioning it. And he went even higher in the ADP. What are your thoughts? Would you be okay? Because that's probably, let's just say you're in like a 15 teamer startup drafts. So this is what, going to be your, what, fifth or, you know, fifth player. So probably at that point, maybe your second arm or maybe even your first, depending if you want to load up on hitters early. Are you okay with that price? I think
1: it's just too high considering the volume you're going to get. And I know like everybody wants to shoot for the moon in a dynasty draft. And they're like, all right, like he's going to take off. Like he's going to be Cy Young caliber, but he just doesn't throw the volume innings. And I'm a big fan. I've always been a big fan of Tyler Glass now coming off an injury. Like, what do we get out of him this year? 120 tops? He's 29. He's had a, a long history of injuries. And we've got projection systems projecting him in 160 innings. That is just not happening. Really? Yes. Every projection system minus ATC and Zips. I'm confused. Zips has him 57 innings.
0: That's okay. probably that's probably more accurate I mean, than 160, though. I mean, that's the average of his career, probably. And he's they realize he has a career high of 111.2.
1: Yeah, and he hasn't done that since 2018. Like,
0: it's back when he was still with. I think I think that was the year he went over from Pittsburgh in that yep. infamous trade.
1: The only season he's pitched a full year was the shortened 2020. That's it. Like, and that's not a, obviously not a full season. He played a full 60 games. I don't know. The stuff is good. The quality of what you'll get in those innings is really good. But I can't really go above 100 innings on him. Just looking at it, like. I was said 120 and I don't see a hundred because he just hasn't done it. And I just don't know what we're expecting. Even if the quality of those innings are really good, it's just not enough to return value on him. So therefore I, I just can't get logic tells me don't get behind that. Don't get behind the hype until he shows. And if once he shows it, it's too late, but I, I just will miss out on him. Apparently like if, if you're going out and trading for him right now, like it depends on what it cost you, but uh, I don't know. It just it doesn't seem like a smart move in my opinion.
0: No, I, I'm I'm there with you. Like I love Glass now. Like I always wanted him to, you know, improve the walk rate. He did that. Added a legit third pitch. Like he kind of had that change up a little bit here and there for a few years. It wasn't that good. He never used it. Then the, then went with the the slider in 2021. And it was, you know, just as he starts using it even more than the curveball. So uh, it was a pretty good pitch as well. So he has that legit third offering now, not just a two-pitch guy. has the elite curveball, you know, really good slider. And the fastball, even though the metrics weren't great on the fastball this past year, it's been, a, you know, a good pitch throughout his career. And it was a very small sample size uh, last year. So I'm kind of throwing that out the window. But I just can't do it. Like you said, the volume is not there. He's probably on talent top 10 arm in this game right now, but you just can't bank on him to ever go more than like Yeah, you, like you said, Chris, maybe he throws 150 this year. Maybe we'll be surprised. It's going to maybe bound to happen sooner or later, though we've been saying that on Buxton too. He's almost like the pitching version of Byron Buxton, but I just I can't get behind that. I, I, I want to see him do good because he's a fun pitcher to watch, so hopefully all of his injuries are behind him, even though I have zero shares of him. In any dynasty league, I'm pretty sure, but I just I could not do a top seventy price tag. That's maybe about the time when I start getting my first arm in a dynasty startup draft. I usually like to go hitters for the first few rounds. So maybe around four or five, six is what I'm starting to think pitching. And I would be that's risky, man. Like start having the ace of your staff be a guy that has yet to reach 120 innings in his career. And it's not like he's twenty four. Like he's almost he's Closer to 30 now than he is 25. So it's like he's um, some young pup anymore that's still 23, 24, battling through injuries. Now nah, he's damn near 30 at this point uh, next year or so. so I, I just I can't do that. Look, looking, It's funny, the very next arm behind him, uh, we'll, we'll get into the next 10 in a minute here, but we'll talk about this guy right now, is probably the polar opposite, the anti-Tyler Glasnow, and that's Framber Valdez. Would you? I, I'd much rather have a Framber Valdez, and I, and I've been a guy that was ever super high on Framber, but he, he he proved me wrong. I eat my words. I was wrong on Framber Valdez. He, um, the, the sinker, the curveball. He's obviously the super high ground ball rate. Not the sexiest arm to roster. Obviously, Glassdale is the much sexier name for dynasty purposes. But hey, give me the guy that has had the production. He's had the innings, and he's a million times safer.
1: Yeah, Framer's interesting. And I think that he's everybody's like, oh, he's gonna regress because the shift is gone. He's a heavy ground ball pitcher. Can we talk about the fact that he's a lefty and righties aren't shifted as often? Like right. come on, guys. Like he wasn't shifted that much. Like I quoted it on a, a recent pod. I don't remember, I'll pull up the exact rate, but it it wasn't an overabundance of shifts. That's not gonna affect him. And they still have a good infield defense, like I, I'm the least bit worried about Framber regressing because of the shift ban. Other pitchers? Sure. But him, not as much like it. He's going to be fine. Ultimately. I mean, the shift was like, he only faced hundred. Like he had 147 plate appearances last year against left-handed hitters. So like, okay, you lose the shift against those. Like also most lefties just can't really get around on a left-handed pitcher with, I mean, like, I know Framber stuff isn't like crazy, but it's still hard to turn around a pitcher like that. Right. So ultimately, like it's going to be fine. He's just like a safe pitcher, like this he's done it year over year. He had one bad year in his career, it's 2019, but you know, he only pitched 70 innings. And I, I'm not going to speak outside of my mouth without knowing. I don't know if he was hurt or not that year, but it seems likely that he could have been, given the fact that he only pitched 70. Innings, he did pitch uh, 44 play. That still doesn't really push a full season, so not sure. But, oh, anyway, over the last three seasons, we're looking at 305 ERA in, in 406 innings, a 118 whip. Like, the whip's not great, but who cares? Like, he's a 23.5% strikeout rate. Like, the dude just gets outs, and he's safe as they get because he doesn't allow fly balls, and he doesn't allow home runs because of that. So, you can't get much safer. He's going to throw innings. He threw 200 last year, so you can expect that again if he's healthy. I, I think if you're looking for... If you have a upside play early on, like, Frambois... Framber's the perfect pair with a Spencer Strider.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of him uh, them in this range. It's kind of like, outside of Glasnow, he's like the sore thumb uh, in this range, but there's a lot of fairly safe arms. Like, look at the, like the last five. Got 16 through 21. Take out Glass now. It's Max Freed. Very safe. Luis Casillo. You know, he's had some injuries, but I'd call him, you know, a fairly safe arm for the most part. George Kirby is young, but he looks like a guy that'll develop into one of those super safe arms. Like I think he could be at the next Aaron Nola. And then uh, Zach Wheeler, you know, a little, little bit older, early 30s, but he's been fairly safe over the last handful of years. And Framber Valdez. So. I'd be okay with any one of these guys uh, as my my ace, much more than a, a Tyler Glass now. And Framber Valdez, I think this is he's, this is probably the back of where I'd want my my dynasty ace, but I'd be uh, very okay with it. You know, he's still you know late twenties and be on you know gonna get a lot of wins if you play in, in a league with wins or quality it doesn't matter wins, quality starts. Framber's gonna dominate either of those. playing on Houston, I need to set the record for most quality starts in a row. <laughs> He's a quality start machine, so it doesn't really matter which one of those categories you play with. He's going to be uh, impactful in either one. So, yeah, I definitely um, would be okay with him as my, my ace. But then, like I said, probably the last one, and yeah, maybe a few more. Let's just get into the next next 10 here, 21 through 30. Uh, and this is actually – we got our first reliever in this range here uh, right after Framber, who was the SP-21. We had Emmanuel Class A, ADP of 78, and we had Kevin Gaussman, who again, he's a, kind of like a Wheeler, a little bit older in the early 30s, but I'd be okay with maybe with Gaussman as my ace too. But again, this is kind of like the territory where I, yeah, these guys are probably more, you know, better to have as your SB2. Uh, 23 through 25 was Kevin, uh, yeah, Kevin Gaussman, Joe Musgrove, and Tristan McKenzie. 26 through 30, Nick Lodolo, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Grayson Rodriguez, and Andrew Painter. All right. Painter is the one that immediately stands out here. I'm not surprised to see G. Rod and Painter back to back, half a pick apart overall. G. Rod was 90.8, Painter 91.4, but Painter but, had giant a butt. <laughs> giant butt. Painter had a min pick of 24. So, I mean, that is that's very high. A Painter is very very talented, but would you how how high would you be okay taking Painter, or is he one where? You're not really targeting him in a dynasty startup right now, Chris.
1: It's weird because like he's an enticing one where it's like, okay, like you can see the upside, you can see what he did, but how many times will you been down this path and they flame out? And I hope that's not the case with painter. And I put out a tweet today, this morning, about pitching prospects in in Dynasty and how how delicate you have to be with them because of the fact that they lose value and 90% of pitching prospects debut and immediately just tank their dynasty value. It's like buying a new car and driving it off the lot and it loses $5,000. That's what's happened when these guys come up and debut. That's a great,
0: that's a great analogy. That's, start using I, that I, I'm going to clap. That's, a, that's an a plus analogy right there. I
1: don't know why that came to my mind, but it's true because it's so valid. Yep. They come up, let's say, and we hope not, but let's say painter debuts. And as a, Those four innings, four earned runs, and everybody's like, oh, he sucks. Like, his value (laughs) immediately tanks. Like, two bad starts, and the dynasty community's out on these pitching prospects, like, completely. So, when do you sell a pitching prospect? Right now for Andrew Painter. Right now. Because he just had a tremendous year, and do you take him in a startup? Like, yeah. And so, the thing is, like, this ADP could look silly if you draft him here, and he... Moves like if he just dominates and he pushes to that, you know that second tier where like the Strider Cease Woodruff type, but the chances of that are so low in my opinion. I'm not saying he can't, but immediately like here's the thing: immediate value in dynasty values like a roller coaster. It changes with the wind. Like the breeze comes in one day and their dynasty values completely changed. So, in my opinion, like this is not a good investment in a dynasty league. The the good investments are when the painters and G rods is if if they come up and struggle for five to ten starts and get sent back down, that's when you buy them because the talent is there. Like we know what they're capable of, but also just look at the track record of pitching prospects when they come up. It's not a it's not smooth sailing from day one for most of those guys. Guys that have like George Kirby, for instance, like smooth sailing for him. Elite command control but that's not the case for everybody. And so many pitching prospects are just different and it takes them a while and that's okay. Easier for hitting prospects to hit the ground running, but pitching prospects are the new car that literally tanks their value immediately. So I don't know. I have a hard time with it. I would, and if I miss on Painter and he's an ace, like that's my fault, but I'd much prefer to take the chance that he comes up and struggles a bit and then buy the dip.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so let's say they're, are 10 Andrew painters and you passed on them all, right? Yeah. You'll probably regret that two or three of the, of the 10, but you know, two or three of those 10 will have a Spencer Strider year. will just come out and dominate, but then seven or eight of them will not. And so we see the, we let's look at all the top pitching prospects we had over the last several years. Like so many of them flame out. Then we have guys like Strider that kind of not come out of nowhere, but they weren't. Strider was never an elite prospect that, you know, we talk about the how prospect development is not linear. I've said that so many times, and that's especially true for pitchers. And it's just so much fluctuation with these guys. And yeah, like guys like G. Rod Painter, love them. Okay, they're, they're the number one and number two pitching prospect, depending on how you uh, you order them. Could be Painter and G. Rod, or G. Rod Painter. But they they are the top two for a lot of people, most everybody at this point. But at the same time. I'm not expecting them to jump out and have a strider year. Like, that's just not what we should be expecting. But, hey, if anyone were to do it, it'd probably be g rod or Painter. Those would be the two that I would... Right. And, and I think the ADP, I don't have any issues in, in general. I don't have any issues with the ADP. Now, if I was a, a Dynasty startup looking to in a year two, three, four, and I got them as my SP2 or even SP3. SP3, I would love that. Let's say I started out with... Oh, let's see here. Let's say I started out with... Uh, like, like a Zach gallon and then went SP two went with like a Kirby and then they're my SP three, I would definitely be okay with something like that. So I guess it all depends on what your team looks like when you go to get one of these guys. Cause you got think you're, you're taking a pitching prospect as like your sixth or seventh guy overall. So you gotta, you gotta be very sure that uh, you can, if they don't pan out that you can absorb that.
1: Yeah. And can we just Go there with the pitching prospects. I went so just going by pie It's easy to go back year over year. So tw- I'll go back to 2015. Lucas Giolito was the top pitching prospect. Julio Urias was also in their top ten, but those guys had bumps along the way. Like Julio Urias was not like his value tanked a lot off the bat. I know there's other stuff with him. Giolito was awful. Giolito was yeah. the worst pitcher in baseball. Right?
0: He had like a six er six and a half ERA yes. one year, and then he turned it around. Yeah. Yes.
1: So again. You had the hype and then they tanked and you were able to buy low. So next year was the same thing, except they bumped Gulito and Urias even higher. Tyler Glasnow was in the top 10. So same thing. Glasnow took a while to actually have a decent year. That was in 2016, where we know where we're heading. Like you know where we're heading at this point with pitching prospects. because You know the big names coming up. Yep. The Alex Reyes. So 2017, Alex Reyes was number six. In the rankings, Tyler Glassnell was nine. So Alex Reyes, I mean, I know injuries, but like the value did nothing but tank. 2018. Okay, Otani, we're not even going to talk about him because he's different. He wasn't a prospect per se when he came over. Forrest Whitley, that's the name we've been waiting for. Forrest Whitley. is. I mean, Whitley's just not a thing anymore. Like Whitley was what everybody wanted, and... You paid for it, and now he's nothing. You know, talk about a couple more names: Brent Honeywell Jr. I mean, yes, injuries—like I get it—but that shows the risk. Like Brent Honeywell had injury risk. Yep. Michael Kopech, the other name there. I mean,
0: he hasn't really. Yeah, he had some decent run out of the bullpen, but as a starter, I mean, he's been okay. He's had he's had some flashes, but I think. It's fair to say that he's underperformed expectations so far.
1: Yeah, 2019 was still Whitley at the top. The next was Hayes Lucizardo, who at this point has regained value, but he certainly tanked value too. Yep. And then I think I know who's going to be the top other than Whitley here if we go to 2020. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is the number one. Yeah, I was like, we're getting
0: in Gore territory now. And
1: this whole list, I mean, Gore, Mize, and Pearson all in the top 10. Like, I think at this point we should have just learned the lesson that um, there's, there's exceptions, there's exceptions to every rule, but the, like the Kirby's and those guys weren't the elite of the elites. Like they just weren't in this range that were can't miss pitching prospects. So for dynasty, it's just like, it just doesn't make sense to me to invest in them when the you, you miss the boat on painter. Like if you're trying to buy painter now in dynasty, you miss the boat. Like yep. you missed the boat on buying G. Rod in Dynasty. It's too late to buy Ricky Tiedemann in Dynasty. It's too late to buy Yuri Press. Find the next one of those guys, let them build value and trade them. That's what you do. You don't go and trade for those guys right now, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no that 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 is definitely uh, riskier than yes. The price tag is to be obviously Andrew Painter. I'd say given how 2022 went, you know, G. Rod was the number one going in the last year. Now there's a debate. But obviously, G Rod, you know, pitched very well, but also missed some time. Painter was absolutely dominant. He's more of this shiny new toy than G Rod is. He's I think it's like a year or so. How much younger is uh, Painter than G Rod? Look at my sheet here. Uh, Painter nineteen point nine. G Rod. Oh, geez, there's that much of a gap? Three, mm-hmm. about a, well, a little over three years. Uh, no, wondering. it's gonna be a little over. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah, a little over three years, but three, three and a quarter year. Age gap. I don't think it was, I thought it was two years, not three. But yeah, so he's got that uh age gap as well. So I think out of all pitching prospects, he has the highest price tag right now. I think it's a little bit higher than G Rod's. Uh, Tiedemann's also super high. Yuri Perez super high. So it's, you'd be paying a premium right now and you would need them to continue this upward trend, which they obviously could. I'm not saying, I don't think either one of them is saying that they couldn't you know, continue their upward trend. and you know, maybe they're in the Manoa Bieber range, you know, this time next year, but that's definitely just risky in general with these young arms. All right. So, oh, do you have something to say, Chris? Nope. I was going to say
1: 100% accurate.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on here. So, that was 21 through 30. Yeah. Uh. Actually, real quick, Verlander and Scherzer at 27 and 28. Man, they are so hard to rank right now. Were you surprised to see them both go top 100 given their age?
1: Yeah, a bit. I I don't know what to do with them personally. Like, it's almost a case where, like, in a startup, they're hard to draft. But if you have them, like, you don't trade them because you don't get the return in the trade for them. Right. I mean, even like, gosh, even if your team is just like hot garbage, like, you probably don't have them on a team that's like hot garbage at this point, but it's hard to just consider trading them in most circumstances. And I, don't I don't know. Like, there's a scenario where they fall far enough to draft them in a dynasty, knowing that you probably get one ace season out of them. They, it's weird. They both had a, a max pick of 128. So, would I draft them at that point? I don't really know. I'm not sure if I can get myself
0: to do it for one year. I know. It's like, it's, what, what do you? get What's the most you get out of them? Probably. What two or three at most?
1: Yeah. I, I'm comfortable saying both. I mean, we saw a Verlander was Cy Young last year, the one of the, the best seasons, but hey and maybe, maybe he's gonna be the Tom Brady of, of baseball.
0: Who knows? Maybe,
1: but it and I do think we're seeing a trend. Like people talk about fading like the Gaussmans and people like that because of age, but like those are almost becoming the buys because like yeah. we have the we've seen the reliability of older pitchers and a 32-year-old or 32 year old Gaussman or a 32, 33 year old Zach Wheeler is becoming a decent value in Dynasty, and I also think it's important to like factor like league size here. So I would say like in a 10 team league, like yeah, 100 take of Verlander, where the replacement level is high. Like if he retires after this year, it was worth it. So like I think if I'm in a 10 team league, I'd probably go out and trade for Verlander and Scherzer right now because those pitchers like flip your dynamic a lot in a 10 team and they're going to cost you like pennies to get because people like, Oh, they're 39 and 40. Like they're worthless because when people go over 30 in dynasty, they're worthless, but much less 39 and 40. I mean, I don't want to think about that age, but there are still out there throwing ACE caliber seasons, like pretty impressive stuff. So I think in a, a deeper league, they're harder to swallow at the price, but in a shallow league, I'm, I'm okay with that price because knowing the replacement level pretty high. If all it does right. go to crap and they tank,
0: yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. All right, moving along here. Let's go thirty. Uh, th- yeah, thirty-one through forty. We got Hunter Green, Dustin May, another reliever, Edwin Diaz, Logan Gilbert, Logan Webb, back-to-back Logans. So that's, that's that's uh pitcher. Thirty-five, Luis Severino, Freddie Peralta, Kyle Wright, Jesus Lazardo. Nestor Cortez Jr. We won't go super deep into every section of 10 here so we can keep this episode, you know, not from going too, too long. But anybody stand out here for you, Chris? I actually thought Hunter Graham would go a little bit higher than he did. I thought he'd be probably a little bit, you know, four, five, six spots higher. He's he's definitely one that has the upside uh, to go another, you know, tier or two up. So, well, what were your thoughts with the Hunter green ADP as the 31st arm off the board around pick 94?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty reasonable considering, and I feel like we're getting in a range now where it's like people just aren't sure what to do with some of these guys. Like Dustin may, like I still don't really know where to value him. Hunter green's one that I'm a little more confident in than may who's, you know, they're pretty identical ADPs, but I'm thinking that green is probably a fair value. Like what we saw on the stretch, if it sticks, like this is a, a bargain of a pick. Right. I'm I'm a bit surprised that Lodolo went ten picks ahead, roughly 10 picks ahead of him. Not quite, but I am surprised by that. Now Lodolo had the overall better season last year, so that does make sense, but I do think green's upside is just pretty tremendous here. But like you said, like some could say like well I'm surprised he went in the top 100 but I'm also surprised he didn't go higher personally
0: yeah I thought I thought he'd be higher than the L- ladolo I have lodolo a little bit ahead uh very very close and they're you know let let me look at my overall here I bet you they're within 10 spots on my overall yeah so for me I have Lodolo at 99 yeah and green at 106 uh so they both went about 10 12 spots uh, ahead of my rankings here so yeah he's, he's definitely one yeah this is a very odd, not, I mean, not odd, but very interesting range where, like you said, it's a lot of guys that, you know, obviously have the talent, but we're just not quite sure what to do with. And then Green, you know, obviously you mentioned Dustin May, you know, Severino, where is he? Can he kind of still have those innings every year? Freddie Peralta, same thing. Lazardo, you know, Nestor Cortez, you know, people seem to be pretty low on him. And I thought this was great value on Cortez. Obviously the injury news coming out. He's to be a little bit behind in spring training. We'll see if he ends up missing any time in the regular season. But I thought that was a pretty good value. Kind of like 38, 39, 40 of Wright, Lazardo, and Cortez. I all thought that were pretty good values. I would take all of them over Logan Webb. Logan Webb for me, I have him a, a bit lower in my overall because, I don't know, he just doesn't – Logan Webb is a very – he's a solid arm. Like There's no, no doubt about that, but he's one where – it's like he's a poor man's Sandy. Like he doesn't get the elite strikeout uh, rates, but he also doesn't get the elite innings that Sandy does. Well, he did go over one hundred and ninety last year, but the K rate was even actually lower than Sandy's. It dropped to twenty point seven percent, and I'm not sure that was too far out of line from what we should expect. Like the sinker, obviously, the sinker guys in general just don't get high whiff rates. The slider dropped fifty or 16%, excuse me, with rate. It was 47% in 2021 and down to 31% in 2022. Uh, I'd love to know why. I'm kind of looking at the... So there was about two and a half inches of less of vertical movement of drop, I should say, on the slider and about half an inch less of horizontal movement. So less movement overall. The, the velocity is about the same, but... That was a huge difference for him this past year. That sixteen percent was a huge drop, and the changeup is, yeah, uh, it's an okay, it's a decent offering for him. But I just don't see him getting the enough Ks to be where he you know, is being valued right now. Like for me, I have him see in my Dicey rankings, uh, one fourteen, but him SP uh, forty three right now. So not not terribly lower, but. I think he's just going a bit too high for my liking. I'd rather have, like, I have Tony Gonsolin, uh ranked ahead of him. I definitely would take, you know, I have Severino ahead of him, you know, Kyle Wright, all these guys, Nestor Cortez for sure. I definitely would take all these guys ahead of Wogan Webb. Again, he's fine if that's what you want, but I just don't see a lot of upside to get that K-rate back up because look at the K-rate only went up, up to that 26% in one year. Every other year, it's been like 20 21%. So I think that's more where he's at uh, moving forward, to be honest with you. Yeah, and
1: I think he's going to be actually a pitcher hurt by the lack of a shift. Yeah, that I too. Mean, yep. Right-handed ground ball pitcher. And we already saw he was heavily shifted behind last year. And I'm just not very confident that you know someone that doesn't miss bats is going to you know be able to excel throughout this. I mean, he didn't have a large difference in his shifted and unshifted Babbitt, but he was still shifted nearly 40% of the time last year. That's a pretty significant margin, so I don't know. I'm worried about how he handles lefties, and that could be a factor for him. So the fact that he doesn't miss bats, like you said, there was some stuff regression too, which is kind of weird, Yeah, but I think he's just kind of a guy like – I mean, the fastball, or the sinker got hit hard, like at three twenty-seven batting average against. Like, you, you just can't have that. So, that makes it tough.
0: Yeah, like whiff rate was below league average. Uh, league average whiff rate is a tick under twenty-five percent. He was at twenty-four percent. Chase rate was actually a little bit above. Uh, zone contact a little bit above, but that's not out of the ordinary for a sinker ball pitcher. That pitches a contact a little bit more. And his xERA was three point five nine this past year, so I, I am expecting some... I think actually he's pretty fair. If he goes up to a 3.5 ERA with a you know low 20s K rate, again, that's fine, but I just I, I think he's more of like an SP4.5 than an SP3 uh, for fantasy purposes, so he's not one that I'm probably looking to target right now. I mean, maybe someone, if I did have him, maybe I'm looking to trade him just because I think I can get some pretty uh, solid value for him there. Uh, let's go 41 to 50 here. We got you, Darvish, Robbie Ray, Josh Hader, Blake Snell, Yuri Perez at SB 45, Walker Bueller, Lucas Giolito, Ricky Tiedemann, Luis Garcia, and Hunter Brown. A couple of Astros round out the top 50. Walker Bueller. So 46th arm off the board, ADP of 139. Is that kind of where you thought he'd go, Chris? Like, where do you think Walker Buehler was going to go in this, given the injuries he has right now?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's one I have absolutely no clue what to do with. Like, And his range showed it. He went from 92 to 197, so pretty wide range of picks there. I I don't know, man. He's, just, he's probably one I'm not touching anyway, because there's already regression that was taking place. And on top of that, he had a second Tommy John, so... All over the board, as I said, I don't know where it's like you had like, where would he have to fall for me to consider him? I don't know. Because like in a general, like win now sense, like it's just a waste of picking. It's my actually contributes for you this year. And who knows the cal like when he returns, like, what are we expecting? Like, are we expecting him to return and be better than the guys around him? Blake Snell, Lucas Giolito, like all those guys. I'm not confident in that and you're already losing a year too so I, I i don't know it's just it's a tough one and i just can't stomach picking him
0: yeah one i had such a hard time ranking him and i i need to drop him down even further i just don't know it's like obviously he's been you know he, this is a guy that was a top 5 dynasty arm just a couple of years back like you mentioned you know regression was happening he had 12 starts uh, before the injury this year ERA was right around 4 K-rate has dropped in three straight seasons. Uh, back in that was probably peak value for him. He's coming up back-to-back really good years. He had 326 ERA, 29.2% K-rate. Then it dropped to 28.6, 26, and 21.2. Whiff rates dropped as well, obviously, as, as you could expect in this scenario. Down to, he was at 28.4, then down to 24.8 this past year. Zone contact rates were going up. So, I don't know. He's one where could he come back and be a top-20 arm? I think he could. He's still he's 28 years old, but second Tommy John, like you mentioned, Chris, and it's not the first one. You know, the track record coming off of two Tommy Johns isn't exactly stellar. I don't know. I probably need to drop him down even further, but he's one – I just don't know where to rank him right now. I don't want to drop him too low because of what he's shown in the past, but I was trying to factor in that he's going to miss, you know, all this year. Uh, I think – is he? Is he been rolled up for the entire year? If not, he's gonna miss most of it. And then the fact that he'll be t- time he comes back, he'll be closer to thirty. So yeah, he's he's a tough one to go after. But if if he fell a little bit, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it. But yeah, he's probably one. That I'm more so, just looking elsewhere. I was no matter where I have him ranked, I'm probably it's not gonna have him on my board in general. Unless he falls like a ton, then I might I might buy into him. But who would you rather take right now in the startup, him or his teammate Tony Gonsolin?
1: i definitely rather have Gonsolin because we know he's going to pitch. And even though I do think there's going to be some regression, and the Dodgers are going to be a weird one to watch because they, like, master the shift. And without that, I do think teams are going to find a way around it. And the Dodgers are innovative enough where I think they'll be fine. I don't see them, like, just, like, stopping. But they're going to find ways around this, and a lot of teams will. But the Dodgers are as innovative as they get. So I'm not sure the pitchers will be affected like that much. I think Gonson has some natural regression coming anyway outside of that. But in general, I'd just rather have him because we know what we're getting at least. We know we're going to get innings this year. And we can't say the same about Bueller. And in my opinion, if you draft Bueller where he's going, you're just throwing away money this year. Like you're wasting a pick.
0: Yeah. With you there. Yeah, I, I got to adjust my ranking of Buell. I got to drop none even lower. I, I should have done that this past update. But again, he's just so hard to rank right now. Talent, but injury, it's it's a hard one to kind of blend into a ranking. All let right, right, uh, we're about at the hour mark. So let's just go through the rest of the guys that were taken within the top 200. Again, if you want the entire list, go check out Chris's Substack, the Dynasty Dugout. So the rest of the top 200. So Hunter Brown was, got us to, what, 147? ADP the rest of the ones in the top 200 are Devin Williams Pablo Lopez Tony One at 159 that's way too low Clayton Kershaw Shane Boz he's an intriguing bylaw I like that at 160 still very much in on Shane Boz Joe Ryan Edward Cabrera about 170 I've spoken about him a lot in uh, many articles and podcasts love Edward Cabrera for this year Aaron Ashby, who had one of the widest ranges, min max range, you'll see uh, on this list 92 to 232. And then we got Jordan Romano. Kodai Senga comes in around pick 177. Reed Detmers, Brady Singer, Jeffrey Springs, Daniel Espino, Andres Munoz, Felix Batista, Chris Bassett, Jordan Montgomery. Lance Lynn, Drew Rasmussen and Ryan Helsley, And just for fun, the two that are just outside the top 200 at 201.8 and 203.2, Chris Sale and Jack Flaherty. Any uh, just general thoughts on that range of arms, Chris?
1: I do think there's a lot of quote, like safe floor arms in this range. Like, I'm actually shopping a lot in this range with the Brady Singers, the Jeffrey Springs, the Jordan Montgomery's, the Drew Rasmussen's like they're being severely undervalued for their potential return on investment. And even if it's a marginal return, like that's what you want. Like if you get a small return on investment in every pick, you're gonna win because that's ultimately the goal. And this is becomes the range where people are shooting the upside. I mean, like you look at Edward Cabrera and, and Aaron Ashby. Going well ahead of the other arms that I mentioned. I won't say well ahead, but a solid amount ahead of these arms. Like I, we don't know what we'll get of Senga, but Brady Singer, who's had an incredible year, Springs had a great year, yeah. Jordan Montgomery had a great year, and Jordan Montgomery's going near pick two hundred. Drew Rasmussen right behind that. Like that's just screams and invest to me. Like those are good pitchers to invest in, and that's where I'm shopping pretty often because I think there's some good value to be had here.
0: I agree I agree with that in general. And there's a lot of names I'm targeting there well. I like Reed Detmers. Obviously Edward Cabrera I love, Shane Boz, I've mentioned Gonzo Jordan Montgomery is just always underrated. And I don't think no matter what he does, he's probably always to be underrated. Lance Lynn, if you're a win now team, I saw they Lance Lynn has a few good years left. So I'd be willing to, you know, go closer to that min pick on Lance Lynn, which is one fifty seven. I think he's you know, he falls into that. I think what's what's Lance thirty four, if I had to guess. Let me look. Lance Lynn is – oh, he's almost 36. Okay. So, yeah, I have him 169 in my personal rankings, so a little bit ahead of uh, – about 25 spots ahead of his ADP here. So, yeah, definitely if I was a win-now team, Lance Lynn's a guy that you can get for a great value. Uh, same with Jordan Montgomery, Chris Bassett. A lot of these guys are a great value. It's the one I'm, I'm just not buying into, at least not to this degree, is uh, Brady Singer. A, I just don't trust Kansas City pitching development at all. And granted, he, he's the one that's kind of beat it. Well, everyone else has kind of fallen by the wayside. But he's kind of like a he's a poor man's Logan Webb, in, in my opinion. I hate to use the poor man's thing, but it, it does fit here with him. Sinker slider guy primarily. Changeup is not good. Command of it is not good. Uh the the expected metrics on the changeup were atrocious. 387 XBA, 642 X slug obviously as a sinker doesn't get a lot of whiffs there slider you know is a good but not great slider uh, 34% whiff rate so i, I think the f- ceiling is what we saw for uh from Brady Singer in 2022 like i don't see him ever being like a 26 27 k rate guy He's probably 22 23 24% which is where he's been xera was up near 4 so i think he's like a mid to upper 3 era guy right around a league average k rate so again, probably, you know, poor man's Logan Webb there. So I just, I think this is, you're paying for what he did last year. So he's, he's just the one in this range I can't, you know, get on board with. But a lot of other names, I'm definitely there with you, that there's a lot of good values in this range, where if you're, you know, want to win now and offset some, maybe, you know, young on a few names early on in your draft, you want to get some guys that can help you out right now, this is a great place to shop.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to just mention because, Michael Simeon put out a tweet. It's fun with numbers, 2022 stats, and it's Sandy versus Singer. Uh, XFIP, Alcantara 345, Singer 330, K-BB, minus Alcantara 17.7, Singer 18.5, uh, Sierra, Alcantara 3.42, Singer 3.4, and then he lists their ADPs too, which obviously is uh is cherry picking a bit, but it's still interesting to look at. Like, I don't know. Like you're right. I don't think Singer's got a high ceiling, but I'm not sure if you're paying for what he did last year. Because like I think if you're paying for what he did last year, then you're probably paying like Logan Webb Price, and you're looking at like a hundred pick discount or so. So I'm i uh, I'm not opposed to grabbing him if he's going like near two
0: hundred. Yeah, I don't hate the ADP, but he's just one more. I'd rather go with so many other names in this range. Like I'd much rather go out and get like a Reed Detmers or. Uh, go out and get like an Edward Cabrera or Joe Ryan or uh, Shane Boz. Obviously he's not going to pitch for a little bit, but I think this is other names in this range. I like even more than him. So who knows, but all right, to round out the show, you have, you know, gun to your head. You have to buy one of these two guys in dynasty right now, Chris sale, Jack Flaherty, both going right outside 200. Who's it going to be? Chris
1: probably sale just because, When he does pitch, it's it's elite. Like I know he doesn't pitch often, and he hasn't. But Flaherty's been super inconsistent. Like when sales on the mound, like sales really good. Outside of twenty nineteen, he has he has never put up a season above a four ERA. And actually, that's pretty bad math because his highest ERA outside of that is three three four, or sorry, three four one in twenty fifteen. So that's his highest outside of an injured 2019 season. That's absolutely nuts. And guess what? Even in that year, like when he had the high ERA, like he was still striking guys out in elite rate. He was still not walking guys. He had a weird home run flux, and he had still had a 2.93 x fit that season. So when Sale pitches, Sale's elite. I think that Sale. Gives us something this year. I'm not c- confident in that, but I do think Sale's going to be on the mound. And I think we're going to see. And even if we get 100 innings, like when he pitches, he's really good. So we'll see. But I think I'd, I'm much more confident in Sale.
0: He better give us 100. And he'll have a lot of Red Sox fans showing up on his front step. I'll tell you that right now. But yeah, I think with. With Flaherty, I think people are like, oh, he just needs to get healthy and he'll be fine. Like, okay, first off, he just had them done. He has, uh, what, 32 starts combined in the last three years. And in those 32 starts, like, look at this, his, his ex ERAs over the last three years are 503, 489, and 494. So it's not like he's been good when he's been on the mound. The K rates dropped. And yeah, some of that could be attested to the you know injuries he's been dealing with. But at the same time, I don't know. I think there's, he needs to prove not just health, and that's obviously a big part of it, but he can get back to that level we saw from him in 2018, in 2019, when he was pushing. You know, I wasn't – yeah, I was doing Dynasty. I'd love to go back and see where I had him for Dynasty ranks back then, but he was probably – what do you think? Do you think probably the top 10 Dynasty arm back then or you know, oh, in yeah. that generality? So.
1: I would definitely think so.
0: Yeah, he's probably like back in top 10. Back then, if I had to kind of think back, but he has to prove to me that he can get back to that range because even when he's been healthy, which has not been often, as I mentioned, you know, he has 154 innings the last three years, he has not even remotely sniffed that value. And I don't think anyone's asking him to get back to top 10 levels, but, hey, to show us that you can be, I don't know, top 25, top 30, something like that. He hasn't even shown that in, in a long time. So, you know, walk rate has been, you know, was very high the last couple of years, especially 2022. Again, Small sample size, eight starts, thirty-six innings, but yeah, I think Flaherty has a lot more to prove. Sale has to prove health. Flaherty has to prove health and performance right now. So yeah, I would even even though he's I think five six years younger, whatever it is, I would I'd rather go after Chris Sale right now. All right, that's gonna wrap us up though. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you want to see the entire ADP go over to Chris's sub stack, the dynasty dugout and get all 750 Chris. was that right?
1: That is correct.
0: All right. A lot of names on there. Maybe even see Steven Strasburg's name near the end of that, which I think his name actually is near the end. I think we were joking about that last episode. So (laughs) he's, and he's already having setbacks, you know, spring training is starting. So good luck to everyone in their drafts. We hope the, these dynasty ADP episodes were helpful for anybody that might have a dynasty startup this, uh, this spring, I know I have a couple coming up, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, But we will be back with you next week. But until then, everyone take care.